Has God ever told you to do something and you really honestly could say, I can't do it? You know what I'm saying to you? I'm not talking about the fact that you won't do it, but you can't do it. You really are inadequate for the task. And as I was thinking about what I told you guys last week about the millennials, that group of people that are born between 1980 and the year 2000, and they are the largest generation that has ever been born. That is the, uh, the largest group of people that have ever, ever been born. And that the need is to reach those folks and to realize that these folks, in my opinion, uh, they really want, they want some depth. I believe that they are the type of people that they want authenticity. I believe that they're the type of people that are going to make a change in our world like no other generation has ever made a change in our world. And I believe that these people are, are just like most people at this point, at this point in time, they're, they're under the burden of this world. And what I mean by that is, is that when Jesus said that, you know, his, his, you know, his, his yoke is light and his, his, or his burden is light and his, and his yoke is easy, uh, that what it, they're going through is just like the rest of the world right now is that especially Christians, there are very few people who are saying, you know what, I think my, I think this yoke is pretty easy for me right now. I think this burden I've got is really light right now. I believe that that's, that when we go to reach a generation, to, in order to reach that generation, we've got to get them to that point that they're so united with Jesus Christ, so incredibly united with Jesus Christ, that, 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 that burden starts to become light. That, that yoke becomes, you know, easy. And what I'm trying to say to you is, is that it to me sounds like taking them out of Egypt and taking them to the promised land. And I believe that that generation will grasp this maybe better than any other generation that is out there. And when I realized, I said, that believe this is what God has called me to do. I really do genuinely believe that. I said, God, I am not adequate. And I think that God said, finally... Finally, you'll admit something like that. I am not adequate. And one of those things that I need, I mean, I said last week I needed strength, but this week I thought even more. You know, one of those things that I really need is wisdom. How do you do that? Because I personally do not have the depth that is necessary. In other words, I've got to have the depth in order to give the depth to somebody else in order for them to be able to walk this path. And I said, God, I don't have it. I need wisdom. So this is the message today, of course. When God calls you to do something, he, he says, I'll give you the message. The message is, is that what you're going, to, you're going to have to do in your life is the message you've got to be able to preach to other people. So five and a half years ago, five and a half years ago on January the 1st of 2017, we began our study through the book of Romans. And believe it or not, even at that moment, God knew that we would end this study on July the 10th, 2022. He knew exactly when it was going to be on us, when we were going to need the message, when I was going to need the message, and when we were going to be able to go forward from this message of the book of Romans. This is the last verse 
in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 16 verse 27. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. He ends this wonderful epistle to the Romans with a doxology. A doxology that he starts off the whole book with, I am a slave to to Christ Jesus. A voluntary slave is what he was saying. And he gets to the spot where he's saying, and may the praise go to God, the God, the only God who is wise. For God is the only one who is wise. Now, I realize that one that I put up there is not saying that there aren't some wise people that might be out there, but he is the only one. If there is any other gods, and I do not believe there are any other gods, but if there was, he is the only one who is wise. To the only wise God meant that any other God was not wise. Now, what is wisdom? I googled it, of course, and Google said that wisdom... The soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Wisdom. Where does it come from? Well, it comes from two sources, to tell you the truth. The first one you may know very well. It's called the School of Hard Knocks. You heard of the School of Hard Knocks, haven't you? The School of Hard Knocks says what? I tried it. It didn't work. I'm not going to do that again. I tried it. I got a bump on my head. I'm not going to bump my head again. Oh, I bumped my head again, but I'm not going to do it three times. You understand what I'm saying? You've gone and you've going to say that's the school of hard knocks. That's the first way you get wisdom. The second way is shared wisdom. Shared wisdom is that which comes from someone else's experience or the sharing of wisdom that has been shared with them. That may come from you watch them get the hard knock on the head. Oh, they slipped and they fell. I'm not going to step in the same place. I'm not going to slip and I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to do the same thing that my older brother did when he got expelled from school. I understand what happens when you do that sort of thing. That's shared wisdom. You can watch it or it can be told to you. Somebody can tell you, this is what happens when you do such and such. And you can say, I tell you, I'm going to do that. That's why I use YouTube all the time when I do everything that I do on my car. I go and I look at it. I said, I want that shared wisdom. I don't want to go out there and try to figure it out on my own. I'm going to find out what this other guy did and I'm going to do it. It is shared wisdom. There was a problem though with not the shared wisdom, but the problem is mostly with the school of hard knocks. What's the problem with the school of hard knocks? Well, I can misinterpret the knot on my head. I can misinterpret and say, well, it it was caused because of this. Let me give you an example. Most people die in the hospital. 60% of people die in the hospital. So I ain't going to the hospital. I'm going to tell you that right away. You understand? I've learned my lesson. And get this. Over 50% of all accidents happen at home. I'm not going home either. You see, when I start interpreting the, my, you know, the, the, the school of hard knocks, what I can do is I can interpret it all wrong. Another problem with the school of hard knocks is that we have to make the decision in real time. I call it real time because it means it has to be done right here sometimes. Harvard Business Review says there are six reasons people make bad decisions. 
when they're really trying to make good decisions, I should add. Number one is decision fatigue. The more decisions you make during the day, the less you will truly uh, consider what is going to happen afterwards. And finally, you'll say, I don't care what happens. Just do such and such. You've probably said that to your kids sometime. I don't care. You know, he says, uh, the other kids in the neighborhood are jumping off the barn. Can I jump off the barn too? Okay, go ahead. I don't care anymore. You know, we let them go. We just say, you know, we've had so many decisions. Second uh, way we we make bad decisions when we shouldn't is a steady state of distraction. We process, and get this, five times as much information in a day as we did in 1986. So we thus have a struggle to focus on the decision that we need to make. There's so many distractions that are out there. Number three, lack of input. We can't gather all the information we need. Sometimes there just is not enough information. We can't gather it in real time. We have to gather it in real time. I need it right now in order to make this decision. I need to know what to do at this very moment. And when I can't do that at that very moment, I make a bad decision. Number four, multitasking. Multitasking decision-making effectiveness suffers up to 40% when we try to focus on two cognitive tasks at a time. You know, that's why you can't really do your taxes and drive while you're going down the road. You understand? I've, I've seen some people that must be doing that because they certainly aren't paying any attention to the road. I can tell you that. Number five, emotions. We cannot make clear objective decisions when emotions are involved. That's one of the reasons that judges must recuse themselves when they have a connection with the case in front of them. Even when they were trying to be as impartial as possible, their emotions may get in the way and they may still make a decision based on their emotions. And the last one, number six, is analysis paralysis. There is no end to the amount of information we can attain You see, if you say, well, I'm going to do everything possible to find out what I need to do here, you will never make a decision because you will never come to the end of everything possible. Every bit of information that can be gathered will never be gathered. So we cannot sometimes make our decisions correctly with the school of hard knocks. But on the other hand, God's shared wisdom is available. His shared wisdom is available. Now, I'll have to say this to you. That a lot of times we're saying, well, should I go to God for, you know, blah, 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 blah. Let me say this. First, God expects us to use common sense that comes from godly living. Understand what I just said to you. Is that if you will have godly living, you will get godly sense or common sense. And this common sense will keep you from making some bad decisions. Give you an example. The man who spends every day in a quiet time, the quiet time meaning that he's, he uh, reads the word of God, he memorizes the word of God, he prays about the things that are going on in his life. If he has a daily quiet time, it is very rare that he will go home with a strange woman at the end of the day. You understand? He won't make the bad decision at the end of the day. Why was that? It's because he's got godly living. And, but, and, and it's very likely the person that is living that kind of way with that kind of that godly wisdom, that godly wisdom that comes from that common sense from living a godly life, it's very unlikely that he's going to take a job just for the sake of money. He will consider other things that are involved in this. But there are some decisions that we just simply cannot make correctly with our own IBMs, our itty-bitty minds. I called it an itty-bitty monster in the last service. And I thought, is that a Freudian slip or what? But sometimes it's an itty-bitty monster as well as an itty-bitty mind. 
So we have to recognize that God is our source of wisdom in the first place. You see, it is the one who has the common sense that comes with godly living that asks for God's wisdom. And if God isn't the source of wisdom, why does the scripture tell us to go to God to get wisdom? Understand in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, it says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So what you, you've, you've, you've got, a, the story is, is that it tells you to go to God for wisdom. And here's what else it says. God doesn't just have the wisdom. He wants to give it to you. He wants you to come to him for wisdom. He wants, and it says he won't hold it back from you. In James chapter 1 verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. I would say to you right now that I know that a lot of you are concerned about my back and I'm going to have surgery two weeks from tomorrow. I got all of that and I can't wait for that. But let me tell you something. I would rather you pray that I have wisdom than I have less pain. I would, I need wisdom more than I need even less pain. I would rather go to God and say, God, I need wisdom. And here's the situation, folks. I'm going to say this more than once in this message. Here's what happens with a lot of people when they go to God for wisdom. They go to God for wisdom and they say, God, I need your wisdom. Now you handle my problems. And that's not wisdom. And that's not godly wisdom. And that's not the way to get godly wisdom. The way you're going to get godly wisdom is you say, God, I need your wisdom. And I'm willing to do anything and everything you tell me to do. That's godly wisdom. That's where you're going to get your godly wisdom. But sometimes people don't want to ask God for wisdom because they know that God will tell them not to do what they want to do. In other words, what I'm saying is, is that they don't want to go to God and say, God, I'll do anything you want me to do, except that's what they'll end up doing. Except I'll say, I'm not going to do that. And that's not godly wisdom. And that's why we get ourselves in trouble so many times, because we do what we wanted to do, not what God would have us do. That's why we get involved in scams. Scams typically use greed, and I said responsibility, that is fear to work. And what I mean by that, there's many of you that are very responsible individuals. And so when someone would call you up and say they're with the uh, electric, uh, electric company or whatever, and they tell you that you've got a bill in arrears that you somehow missed, and they're going to turn your electricity off within the next hour, your fear or your responsibility, whichever you want to call it there, clicks in and you says, well, how can I take care of it so my electricity doesn't get turned off? And so what happens, scams work that way. You see, so they make it look legitimate, and you think it's legitimate, and you do it. And many people, even within this church, have been scammed by some African prince who wanted to give them millions of dollars that are out there. And nobody I've ever met has ever met an African prince who wanted to give them millions of dollars. And so the best decision would have been what? The best decision would have stopped the the situation right where it was in order to gain some more information so that you could get back with them on this. It's to break that conversation. It is to say, I'm not going to do any. I'm not going to go through this with you. I've got to find out more. And thus, because people don't do that, because they won't even go to God, what the billions of dollars, billions of dollars are scammed out of people. 
And I especially like the one which I've had called on a couple of times, and that is, is that the police are about to arrest you in the next 25 minutes. You know what I say? I said, oh, well, then I need to let you go so I can go get a shower. So, because quite frankly, you know that's not happening. They're using a fear and sometimes greed in this. But let's face it. We all need wisdom to make the right decisions. And where should you go? How about let's think about the one who knows everything, the omniscient God, who has already told you he's willing He's willing to give you his wisdom. But where does the God's wisdom begin? Well, here's what the scripture says in Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now, the explanation of this verse varies. Some want to say that it's like, it's a reverence for the Lord. It's, it's kind of like, you know, like, you know, you take your hat off when you come into a room or, or, or something like that. It's a reverence that you have there. But others want to point out the reaction of the Old Testament saints when they come into the presence of God. What did they do? Did they say, oh, I'll take you very casual. Hey there, big guys. Did they do that? No, what did they do? They fell down on their faces, didn't they? They took it a little bit different from that. I I think that what we've got to recognize, and I'm going to say this, because not because it's in the Chronicles of Narnia, but the truth is God is dangerous, folks. And you're treating casually, and you don't treat him that way. That beginning of wisdom is going to be at the point where you realize that just like electricity is dangerous, electricity is not malevolent. God is not malevolent. He's not out to get you. No, that none of that. I didn't say that. But don't start playing around with God as if he were just some character that you've heard about somewhere. Like he's somebody on a screen sometime that you've seen on, on the movies. But that he's a real personal and he is an almighty God. Wisdom is recognizing that God is always present and always knows exactly what I am doing and thinking. And when I might go to God and say, God, forgive me of my sins and cannot remember half of them. God has got a perfect memory and he remembers every one of them. Not because he is holding it against me but because he knows that the blood of Jesus Christ has covered every last one of them. And I want to say this in my own life, knowing this is more than reverence to me because it is awesome in all of the awesomeness that I can even imagine in my life that when I know that I'm in the presence of God, I'm not going to say, hey, big guy, give me a high five. I'm going to be down on my knees. I'm going to say, oh, thank you for forgiving me. For I know what a sinner I am. See, the fear of the Lord leads me to obey. I am not afraid that God is going to whack me. I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint him. That's the truth, folks. I'm afraid that I will simply disappoint him. And there's a, there's a difference between forcing people to do things out of fear and seeing them do things out of love. And I would say that it is always wise to act out of your love for the Lord. It is always wise to do that. When I was preparing this message, I had just bought my wife an iPad holder. I saw it and I said, I need to get this for my wife. She can then set it up on her desk at work. She can then work with her iPad holder. And, you know, and, you know, I didn't do it because I was afraid of her. 
I didn't do it because I was terrified of her. Let me put it that correct. Let me say this. I did it out of my love for her. And let me tell you this something to you. It was a wise decision. And I did it for Social Security because my social life was a whole lot more secure after I did it. If you understand what I'm saying to you is in, in this, is that you do it out of your love for him. And it is deeper than simply a reverence in which you casually speak to God. It's a one of devotion, wholehearted devotion. Now, what are the characteristics of this wisdom that comes from the Lord? In other words, when this wisdom comes, how am I going to be able to recognize it? Well, James chapter 3 verse 17 says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, when open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So let's go through those. First, God's wisdom is pure. That is that God's wisdom contains no deception. In Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 it says that it's impossible for God to tell a lie. It comes to us. His wisdom comes untainted. It is driven by the holiness of God rather than the things of this world. And God's wisdom has the purpose of purity of mind. It will even make me pure in the process when I use that wisdom that God has given me. When I, I, a couple of months ago, I went down to Florida to, to get a car from my mother. My mother needed a car. And um, I trusted this dealer. I'd bought some things from him before. And because I, I've got a zillion airline miles and it doesn't cost me anything in, at all to go fly anywhere, $11.20 or whatever it cost me to fly down there. I, I, I flew down there to Florida and I got it. And you know, the, what, when you get a car, it's absolutely pristine. You know, it's completely clean. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. When you get the car, it's like you don't want to get in it because there's only one place you can take it, and that is to get it dirty because it's so clean when you got it. It's clean, clean, clean. You know, understand what I'm saying to you? And, you know, and so I got in, uh, you know, it was there in Florida, and I take off, and I'm going there, and I promise this bug said, watch this just before you hit the windshield. And when you hit that windshield and you got that bug, what, what's the only thing you can see? I mean, the whole windshield is absolutely spotless except for this one spot on it. And you realize that, you know, here's the situation now. And when I got to Louisiana, it didn't matter anymore. There's so many bugs in Louisiana that I couldn't even see that. I couldn't see outside the windshield. But what I'm trying to say to you is, is that it says when we continue to make those decisions from God's wisdom, we notice what is impure. We notice that this was impure and this wasn't impure. God's wisdom is peaceable too doesn't mean it'll always bring you immediate peace i'll have to say that but even war the purpose of war is actually peace if you may not recognize that it may be it may be uh, it may be conquering but it is also peace in the end and this peace is one that seeks to bring peace with god and ultimately with others i realize if you really want peace in your life make peace with god first Make peace with God first, and then you can bring peace into the situation. You've got the story in, in, uh, in the Old Testament of Elijah having that confrontation with the, the prophets of Baal. Prophets of Baal, you try to light the altar. I'll sit back and see what happens, and then we'll light the, I'll get God to light his altar. And the prophets of Baal couldn't light their altar, and so Elijah called for God to come down and light that altar. He even poured water on it. He said, let's make it really hard. 
God lights the altar and the people started yelling. Yeah, they started screaming, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I can imagine it was a little more in reverence right there. You understand what I'm saying? And so he says, I want you to get rid of the prophets of Baal. Caught them down by the brook of Kishon. I've been there on Mount Carmel where it is. The brook of Kishon's right down at the bottom of it. I figured those, that's about the place that the, it just wore out those prophets of Baal. They've been trying to get this thing to happen all day long. It hadn't happened. And now they, they run down the hill there and they get down to the bottom. That's where they caught them. And said so that's where they got rid of the prophets of Baal. You may say, well, that doesn't seem to be very peaceable. I promise you it's starting to make peace with God, and I promise you it's starting making peace with the people at the same time. God's wisdom is gentle, it says. Now, I just gave you a story that's not so gentle, was it? But God's wisdom does not wrench us to do his will in a violent way. God's will, God's wisdom is to lead us to obey and become gentle in that leading. I would say this. Parents, you should lead your children with gentleness. That doesn't mean there's going to be moments of uh, discipline that are not so gentle. I got that. I understand that. I, I understand. But your purpose is, is that there will be gentleness in your home. You don't want a lot of other conflict that is in there. God's wisdom is open to reason. You know, I think that a lot of people say, well, you know, that doesn't seem like it. we're just supposed to do what God tells us to do. And that is exactly right. But sometimes when we're making a decision, we say there's, we got to make a decision on A and B and, and we try to reason it out. God says his, his wisdom is reasonable. It is reasonable. I mean, I think that everybody wants to say when we go to God and we say A or B, he says C. That's not necessarily true. A lot of times what happens is there's the reasoning of God, not the reasoning of the world, but the reasoning of God is such that he leads you to say it is A or it is B. And you discover his wisdom in that. So your reason forms the decision. God's wisdom is full of mercy. You know, think of God, how he's enduring this world right now and all the sinfulnesses and I read the news I I see the things that are happening and I and I say this is mercy this is God's mercy because he's giving people the opportunity to repent and he gives us when he gives us wisdom he gives us wisdom so that we give people an opportunity to repent and that is mercy I have parents who've come to me with their children and and what they're and their children are doing things that they know to be sinful and they're you know they're going to maybe damage their futures in this and i will tell you what my advice is nearly all the time use the motel six motto i say to them and that is we'll leave the light on for you i tell you when when the, the child goes on their own way and does their own thing i tell the parents tell them they can come home never put them in a place where they can't come home That's the story of the prodigal son. That's the story that we need to have out there. They need to know home is always available to me. I can always go home. That's the story of many of you. It's the story of me. It's the story that we need to give out there in God's wisdom. God's wisdom is full of good fruits. We can tell if it's godly wisdom by the fruit it produces. If it produces new believers... It's godly wisdom. It produces fruit of the Spirit. If you see it, it has love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit. That's the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. When you start seeing that sort of thing, you see that it is godly wisdom. When 
Peter has a vision, you know, eat this food that you know that you weren't ever supposed to eat before as a Jew. And he says, I'm not going to do it. And God says, you know what, what I've made clean, you don't, you start calling it unclean. And immediately after that vision, there's Cornelius, a Gentile at his door waiting to be told the gospel he would have first he would have said you know oh wait a minute is it going to bear fruit and the answer is yes because god was going to bear fruit new believers out of cornelius and his whole family you can recognize godly wisdom in that godly wisdom is impartial now understand impartial does not mean that you treat everybody the same i thought you said impartial that means treat everybody the same. No, it means to treat everybody the way that they need to be treated. That's a little bit different, isn't it? And I think we have a very hard time making impartial decisions. If we say we never have problems making impartial decisions, I think you're not being true to yourself. For godly wisdom transports us over our prejudices to make the right decision no matter what. Godly wisdom is sincere Godly wisdom is true in this. Godly wisdom is the same wisdom no matter who is watching. It is still the same wisdom. There's an old Hollywood tale about Robert Redford. He's approached by a woman in a hotel elevator and she says, Are you the real Robert Redford? And he responds, Only when I'm alone. Understand, no matter who's around, godly wisdom is exactly the same. And so we praise God for being that only wise God. It's not in Romans only. Daniel 2 verse 20 says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. I said this to you in the beginning. I'll say this to you again. You see... A lot of people say, I want godly wisdom. And what that really means is, is that, oh, they'll come down the aisle. They may come up here and they may kneel down. And and what they say is, God, I want your wisdom. And what they're really saying is, God, fix my problem. I got a problem. Won't you fix it? And then God says, I want you to do such and such. No, 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 God. I didn't agree to do anything. I just wanted you to fix my problem. That's what godly wisdom is, they think. I will tell you, that is not godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is saying, God, I want your wisdom, and I will do whatever and everything that you tell me that I must do. That is godly wisdom. Pray with me.